When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode 175 of Dismembering Horror. You just heard what it's all about, thanks to our wonderful introduction lady. Uh, Tim, episode 175, do you remember our last episode, episode 174, Leprechaun Returns? Unfortunately, I do. I just had a fun follow-up for that. (laughs) Um, uh, Yes, Tim was less enthused about the film and I think in general about the franchise, the Leprechaun franchise. But I just had to tell you this anecdote. It was so funny. I was uh, with a friend checking out at the grocery store when the checkout guy, uh, well, and my friend and I were talking about, I'm like, oh, I have this new episode coming out on Leprechaun Returns. Have you seen the original? You know, we were talking about it. And then the checkout guy was like, oh, yeah, Leprechaun. Yeah, I love it how he's like has to clean everyone's shoes. And he was like started making these. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that specifically that that he he was tickled by what I was so tickled by the Leprechaun's uh, 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 strange idiosyncrasies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and having to clean shoes and that being used to thwart him. So just wanted to let you know. That oh, I'm glad that out the, there. the leprechaun fetish fandom is out there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and strong. And, uh, yeah, that day was our day. St. Patrick's Day, a.k.a. Leprechaun's Day. All right. But for today's episode, we're viewing the new Ty West joint. Another new release film. Not a requel, though it does have a prequel and sequel in the works. Uh, yeah, X. Wait a Ooh. minute. What is this information you're giving me? There's a prequel and a sequel in the works? Did you not stay till the end of the credits? I stayed through the main credits. Was there something okay. at the very, very, very end? Yeah, it was the teaser oh. trailer for the prequel. Jesus Christ. It, it looks awesome. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's called Pearl. I was going to, I mean, yeah, I was going to get into it, things of note. But there How you go. Exciting. There's your context, Tim. You brought it up. <laughs> I assumed you knew because it was, because I assumed you saw it and it nope. wasn't news. To, even uh, even without seeing it, I, I saw, I mean, it was kind of like making the rounds in the news. Nope. Anyway. I'm not, I'm not playing those games. I got bigger <laughs> fish to fry. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's fry this fish and carry on as we like to do to get into it. We got to watch the trailer for X. You ready for that? Oh, yeah. All right. Here we go. I'll say the name one more time because it's so short. X. Farmer's daughter. Take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? You got that X factor. 
Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we go. So this is it. Our own studio backlog. I'm looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. He don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to... Come inside. Much obliged. X. There we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> that really. I'm so glad I didn't watch that before seeing the movie. Yeah, I avoided that as uh, going into it completely. Yeah. Ditto. Great. Okay. I'm glad we did because now we have our fresh reactions to it. We can talk about. So next, we like to rate it for our rating system. Would Tim and myself tell ourselves to avoid, stream, rent, or buy this film? Who should go? Uh, you can go. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah, even though it's not like a new, new favorite, like some of our discoveries, it's, I definitely really, really, really liked it enough to be a buy it. Like I gave Candyman and Last Night in Soho buy it's just because they were cool new horror movies that I wouldn't mind rewatching here and then. But this was more my speed than those films, honestly. So I feel like I kind of have to give it a buy it because of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was really into it. Uh, it. I don't know if it, it shocked me along the way, but it took twists that kept me engaged and just played out in a way I was super engaged. Yeah, very much my speed. I'd tell myself just, yeah, why not put it on your shelf? You weren't going to want to watch it again. Just go ahead and buy it. Yeah, I am almost a buy. But and I really liked it. I like I had a really good time watching. I enjoyed it. I was like into the ride and everything. But would I actually like tell myself to put it on the shelf? Probably not. So I'm like the the highest rent that you can be without a buy. I think we're on the same page. I just kind of, uh, maybe this says more about what we would buy and what we wouldn't buy than mm. what we thought of it. And also, I just feel like I've uh, skewed it since I was, since, yeah, as I said, I gave Candyman and Last Night in Soho buys and I liked this a little more than those. <laughs> I just feel obligated <laughs> to go ahead and buy it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm just right. thinking about like Ty West's other films that I've seen, and I guess I've only seen two: Innkeepers and House of the Devil. Ditto. And I would say that based on those two and this, that they all share this commonality in the style of filmmaking. That I'm like, I like the content, and I like the ideas. During the movie, I'm like, something feels like it's missing. I and I still don't know what it is. And I'm I like spent all last night and this morning trying to like think about how I could figure that out and articulate it. And I, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. I think it's a style thing in I don't really know in the 
I don't know. We we could talk more about it. Maybe maybe as we talk, I'll come up with it somehow. But it's weird. I have theories actually. Since I mean, because you just mentioned it, I don't know. I had an idea, but I guess that would be apt for our what did not work section. At least okay. it's in. At least it's in that direction. You know, interesting for things to talk. Then. Yeah, I mean, I I if I can figure out what it is, I think I agree that it. It is something that would belong in the what did not work. But since I don't know what it is, I'm not sure I can like say that yet. But maybe we'll get there. All right. Well, before we get to that, and then before we get to what worked, we got to get a little summary. Catch us all up to speed. We hope you watch it with us. But if not, that's fine, too. But either way, let's all get on the same page here. Tim, I would love uh, your regalement of what happened in this film. If you wouldn't mind. <laughs> okay. It's pretty simple, right? Like, simple story. You've got a group of late 70s Texans who mostly work around what looks like a um, a strip club of some sort. And they decide to make a smut film. <gasps> but a high-class one. Oh, so they want to make a high class one. They bring in a like a uh, a film sort of student who wants to make make the <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Make a an avant garde smut film because VHS is is becoming a thing, and they want to tap into that market. And the uh, the main guy here who's orchestrating the executive producer, he believes he's got a couple women that are perfect for the next you know, Debbie does Dallas style movie. And so they rent a, uh, a cabin, I guess that's on the property of, of a big house in the middle of Texas, middle of nowhere from an old man who has a, a wife as well living there. And they don't tell him that what they're going to be doing because it would maybe be considered obscene of in some you know people's minds um but ultimately what they don't realize is that his wife has a little proclivity towards violence and um is maybe inadvertently titillated by what they're doing and that maybe triggers her a little bit to go on a bit of a a killing spree we also find out that the husband and wife are there. They've got some some uh well skeletons in the closet, so to speak, i.e. <laughs> an actual person in the basement chained up. So there's a little bit of maybe sadomasochistic perversion um, involved in their household, and uh, we have a final girl construct. She gets away. Everybody dies. Pretty basic. Yeah, great. Have uh, hoots and hollers along the way. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are kind of thinking of this movie as a homage to, in particular, Texas Chainsaw, but it doesn't do Texas Chainsaw. It 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 kind of evokes a a feeling or a film filmic um, aura that Texas Chainsaw has and an era of of that. But it, it's very different, yeah. Story wise, well, story wise, 
hearing it put that way, I feel like barely scratches the surface, barely scratches the surface of what is all that is going on in this yeah. film. So yeah, there's a lot. Do you want to get into that then with our first big section here? I think we should. All right, let's do it. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. Two big elements, I feel like, we if we're going to start large and then, you know, go from there, there are the homage elements, the stylistic things about it, or the themes. Of course, they cross over, but mm-hmm. those are just the two big what worked things that stood out to me. Is there one you'd like to start with? Um... Well, let's start with the homage stuff, because I think we can kind of get that out of the way. Yeah. Well, from the get-go, from the opening shot, I mean, the movie was just working a really... Uh, a level of which I was very engaged. I thought it was extremely well done as far as how to what it was doing to evoke that time period and the films of that time. It started with a shot that looked like it was a like an eight millimeter film shot we were looking through where there were almost kind of like the little sides of the film sprockets you'd see. Yeah. And it it was was like more, it was sort of three, four. Yeah. Perfectly. It was like really square image. Um, It looks like it was shot on 16 millimeter, Mm -hmm. let's say, but then what it did, it slowly dollied in forward revealing that it was actually like uh, a building or barn or something we were inside of. Yeah, basically a door frame. Yeah, so just what a masterful, interesting way to to evoke the feeling, but then sort of transition us into, okay, but we we aren't going to make a literal like, you know, square ratioed film here. It's we're 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 striking a balance and uh, God, it was a great way to bring us right into that that homage element style. I will say it it was a <laughs> a remarkably simple just thing that we I've never really seen done. I think obviously it works because of the the context we kind of know well I guess we don't technically. If you went in completely blind, would you know that this was 1979? And maybe based on just like what's in the initial frame like the the era of police car that's in the frame and the the farmhouse and the film grain you would kind of go oh i'm i'm watching you know an old super 8 or something um so so it is built into that initial image but it is it was really arresting the second the the camera started moving my brain said that they were just doing a digital move the the black bars on each side of the frame to open yeah, up to be, true. to be a, a cinemascope framing. And after about a second and a half, I was like, oh no, that's a doorway. Oh, we're we're dollying in. Oh, that's <laughs> really cool. Damn. Like, how did none of us ever think of of that? But like it it's so sort of speaks to a director 
that is thinking about each shot and like what each shot means in relation to the context of the film and the theme. So I guess, you know, we'll get to those too. Yes. Something that's so key for doing an homage like this is you just got to straight up do the structure or at least to an extent, right? Of the slasher structure. I mean, like, I don't, I'm not going to complain that it's that structure of young people go off. There's that first gas station stop scene. Like I would have been sad if that didn't happen. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I just kind of realized while watching in that spirit too that you know I am a sucker for structure. It's kind of like what I like about the James Bond movies. It's about sure. you have that and then you do something, and then it's all about the wrappings. That's where the joy comes from in a way. That how you how you do it differently. Well, exactly. So, like yeah. we've been told this forever in creative writing and and in you know screenplay classes or books or whatever they you're always being told the same but different because there are some basic tenets that you want to kind of at least know so you can break those rules right so if you're doing a straight up homage like (laughs) know what makes uh 70s 80s slasher a 70s 80s slasher and the structure and i i think i was just coming from a place of just you know, arguing with a non-existent person in my head who is saying like, oh, we've seen this before. Ugh, stop at the gas station. You know, just like... Just... <laughs> That'd be like saying I went to a a, a a war film. Yeah. And been like, oh, they're they're shooting at each other. We've seen this before. <laughs> right. The, yeah, exactly. Like the, the stop at the gas station is so key for just doing yeah. this kind of film. Yeah, exactly. Um. And then, and then we have it play out too. Then they get killed off one by one, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know. Is this thinking of ways then you can do and not, or the different things you can then do within that structure? Of course, and I'm glad this is a very Ty West style thing. I was happy how delayed uh, their killings were. Like yeah. I like that we actually got to be with them. I like that that first almost alligator attack was just a moment of Man. suspense. Like so I good. liked all, <laughs> I liked all the actors and characters enough. I would have been sad if we had sort of had the one really early kill mm-hmm. and then they are in it, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of looking at it through that lens while watching it of like what are these sort of key 70s, 80s slasher uh, 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 tenets. I got to learn what that word is. Um, yes. (laughs) Things you hang your hat on. Obviously a big one is, is sort of, sort of, it's quite literally not sort of the remote house, you know, the big house in the middle of nowhere is, it's just so quintessential. And like we've yeah. seen it in so many different variations, but it's it's really kind of an essential element to this style of film. And it's there's not that much variation within the the ways that we've seen it. It's always kind of uh, a slightly dilapidated white ish um, house kind of on a little bit of a hill or a rise. Um what else? It's always if I feel like it's always the same style of house too. It's I don't know what that style is. Well, it's the entrance way with the staircase next to the hall that you're immediately facing. Yeah. 
Yeah, you see exactly. it in Texas Chainsaw, Psycho. I'm sure there are more examples. It's, uh, and yeah. it's all set in Texas also. Or, so right. bonus well, points. Obviously is deliberate. Yeah. Um, so setting, structure, and then more just on kind of like the look and feel of what that's doing to homage. One thing I thought was really interesting, uh, I'm going to make a few references to Easy Rider here, mm-hmm. but uh, a technique that I loved was taken exactly from Easy Rider, and it was one of those experiences watching where I I loved it so much because I love it, but at the same time, I was really mad because I was planning on stealing it, you know, and was excited <laughs> to use it on my own film. But it's that that cutting technique where you cut mm. three times to the next shot and then settle into it. It's a sort of perfect way to make you feel like you aren't on quite solid ground. Yeah. Uh, really interesting. But that's taken directly from Easy Rider. Ty West, mm-hmm. you got there first. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Uh, I loved it, though. And then also it's really interesting. I realized something that puts us in this time, and I'm like, is this homage? Not really. But just that, for films that take place in a time in the past, that's when you have these uh, needle drop music moments of iconic songs from the time. But aside from Easy Rider, I'm sure there are others. I can't really think of examples where like how often does a needle drop from a 70s movie like actually happen? You know, it only usually happens in uh, as a technique to put us back in that time and place. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. Do you mean literally watching somebody put the needle down like on the no, record? Okay. That's a that's a because term. Because that also exists in this movie, which <laughs> we've seen a million times. Yeah. Um I think God, I'd have to think about it. Because I really love this era of film. But I'm not sure I would say that I'm like ov- overly well versed in it. Right. Or um, would I kind of have my favorites and then not a ton outside of those? Yeah. Well, it's just interesting to think like in a movie that's actually released in 1979, would you have a scene where they stop to play landslide on acoustic guitar? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like right. how you don't really see the equivalent of that nowadays. Yet well, we know that definitely happened probably a lot back then. And it's something that instantly transports us to that time. So I don't know, just an interesting hmm. thing where it's like, it's not, yeah, I don't know. That's a sort of to tail off of homage because it's not quite homage because, again, I don't think it's something that those old films actually do. But Right. Well, did you know that there's only one film in the 170-some-odd films that we've covered that was released in 1979? Oh, God. Usually I'm the one quizzing you. Uh, <laughs> is it Was it one of the early Cronenberg movies? Nope. Okay, I don't know. It's Sisters. Okay. Now, when I thought of this, the reason I just looked this up is because my brain immediately went to Motel Hell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thinking, oh, that must have been 79. It was actually 80. Um, But it definitely, to me, has is one of the sort of, maybe not closest, but it has a similar film vibe i guess i would say more than anything to be kind of not specific to this film um of the of the movies we've done in that general era yeah i mean you could say there's 
Oh God! There's like Martin, Damien, Omen Two, Sisters, New Year's Evil, Motel Hell, <clears throat> Dead Tourist and Trap feels pretty close to that. Maybe that's the one I was thinking of. I don't see it on our list, but whatever. Either way, that Motel Hell is obviously more. Well, obviously, it's it's camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not. So yeah, Tourist Trap is is even better. Is even more in line with that. Oh. 1979 okay so there you go tourist trap watch that that'd be a great double feature (laughs) yeah absolutely x and tourist trap (laughs) cool okay well how about anything more just kind of anything that stood out to you anything else that stood out to you like homage wise or i'd love to get into some of these rich themes here at play um God, you know the 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 shot of Pearl in the window of the big house, looking down, just felt like so many shots we've seen before. I, I mean, I think it was mostly making me feel like Psycho, um, yeah, which is cool. But you know, just in general, it it it. I think what it is is that maybe. Less than like saying, oh, these there are moments that that directly relate to other films. It's almost more like there are shots that are just so familiar, regardless of like what film it's from or where we've seen it. It's just that it's like baked into our sort of cinema brains, like the history of cinema feels baked in like these shots down the hall looking out the front door. Or the shot from the top of the stairs, or the shot looking out the upstairs window, or the shot of them walking across the field. I'm just like, those are so familiar to us, just the cinematic language of them. It's that I'm like, the second I see them in a way, I'm like, yeah, I'm in a movie. That super wide angle shot of them in the van just down the middle. Yeah. Yep. So good. Well, you're talking about, I mean, I think what works so well as a whole is that it's not just those direct shots. Like that all helps, puts us in the mood and mode. Right. But then what's so important, you know, you're doing it nowadays too. So what can we, how can we kind of further it or extend on it or sort of combine more modern techniques? So an example would be you have the drone shot over the head of the alligator going up to her you know like you couldn't have like a steady you know eerie quiet drone shot like that that evokes that same feel back then right yep that shot is so beautiful too (laughs) right like it's crazy how pretty that is and like how perfect the rings of the the ripples coming away from her like are and just shout out real quick the uh effect looked incredible like i was never questioning i never looked like a cg gator or anything to me it looked great no i mean i almost felt like it was a mechanical gator that they just like put in the water oh i (laughs) maybe it was i don't know that warms my heart it looked so good um but then also like you know you talking about that that distant shot from the window looking at old pearl yeah i feel like you know, we've seen that before. It looks great. It's always fun. But then there was like the shot where was it when Glasses dude was making his escape? Someone was it's like something. I think it's from inside a car where it does like 
she uh, Pearl appears standing outside, and it's like a quick, almost crane zoom in or something. It's this really fast, like snap in on her almost. That feels just like it's part of a really quick moving kind of crane dolly shot that we probably couldn't do back hmm. in 1979. Um, That's but this is just another example, but it's still at the same time felt completely at home with all the other homage elements going on. So right. just picking up on stuff like that too. It was really neat. Well, cause I think what you, what it maybe was mirroring or trying to kind of match is that long zoom snap in, you know, which yeah. was a, obviously the way you did that back in the day not super easy to do but nowadays you would probably not have to do it that way you could just yeah like you're saying you just use kind of a quick crane and i don't know but altogether i i I just i it was interesting to me that all of the filming techniques and all of the leaning into the vibe of the the sort of the cinematic homage feeling, I guess. Um, It still felt like a, well, hmm, what am I trying to say? It still felt like a modern movie, I guess, to a certain degree. And so, and that I think is fine. It's not, that is not a, a bad thing. I think what that allows is some of the editing techniques to not feel too disconnected because i think if you were really really truly doing the like strict version uh where you're like okay in 1979 they didn't have the ability to do xyz so we have to stick to what they could do but then you added some of these editing techniques like the split screen stuff i i think you would be possibly jarred out of the film so like bridging that gap where you're actually kind of like yeah i know i'm in good hands and i know that this is a modern film that's doing an homage it's it felt better it felt more like i don't know comfortable i guess i don't know yeah well scenes and themes a lot more going on here too did could you put into words what you thought the themes were kind of about for you what they were circling i mean i think the biggest one that jumps out to me is our kind of cultural like um puritanism around just sex in general and i think this is a super super smart way to to kind of like address it in in that you're not just making a point to be like because i think that in the past you know there's always been this kind of theme of like sex is a sinful thing and like the sinners are gonna pay for their sins by getting killed like that's there but there's this added element of of age sexuality in an older person And like the trauma of losing that or having your your sense of sexuality and um, I guess like 
I guess how else could I put this? I mean, essentially what I'm saying is, you know, Pearl still has sexual feelings and desires and we're, we're confronted with a thing as the viewer that is so, so rarely even spoken about in our culture that older people can be sexual, sexually active, sexual, have sexual desire. They're not like, they're not dead. You know what I mean? That like that sexuality and, and desire doesn't just end when you turn a certain age. But yeah. our culture really, really does not talk about that. It seems very taboo. And I like that this movie is not only like showing that to us and, and forcing us to reconcile our own implicit ageism around those things, but also is framing it in the context of the 1970s puritanical like christian texas like you're you're a whore or a sinner or an awful person if you like pornography or have sex or are a woman with sexual desires even like these basic things that just humans have and that oppression or suppression of those things is wrapped up in this this mirror between an older person with those feelings and these young people in a world that says that they're not, it's not okay to be that way. So I, I think it's quite brilliant to be honest. Ditto. And I was glad to hear you say the word ageism amongst there and point that out. Cause absolutely. I think it's, it's fascinating and sad that it's kind of the missing ism that, is never in our cultural conversation as far as we've mm -hmm. come on the other ones. It's just one of those things where it feels like because it's so universal, regardless of who you are, you'd think it'd be something that would be at the forefront of dealing with in society, yet it really is at the back burner. It's at the forefront of not being addressed or dealt with in conversation. Like yeah. older people are still largely invisible and media as well as their experiences we always have plenty of you know examples of where of great stories about older people but uh yeah as far as just the kind of diving head on into it um that film well, did a, that a, and it was great <laughs> yeah there's a sexism in it too like historically the the films and times that we see people kind of try to confront um sexual ageism let's call it is so 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 often wrapped around the male version of that it's so rare to see older women being represented as sexual beings like our culture just really freaks out about that and so i just was like man it's to me incredibly smart to have your quote unquote villain be supported by a very real and very sad thing in our culture. Yeah, it's exactly what you'd want from a horror movie because it brings up just that conflict and you know the, the that comes from having sympathy more for her situation than if it was just the old guy in a way. Well, um, and then they do a really smart thing is that they you know to mitigate our you know, kind of feelings of like, well, I feel sympathy for 
for her or or for the couple in, in general, they double down and say, yeah, but just so we're clear, they're also awful people. Click. Yeah. They've, they've well, got that, somebody chained up in the basement. <laughs> that, that's what I mean. Like when I say ripe for whore, it's that exact kind of like you're feeling one thing one second and then another thing the next second. And it's all just ooky gooky. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel inside. But to that point, I think the genius of this type of construct is that really if you zoom out even further – you've got at least the suggestion that their sadomasochism or or their reprehensible behavior is a product of this sexual repression that exists in our culture, right? I'm not saying that it's a justification for bad behavior, but you can link those two things together and yeah. say there is – in this particular anecdotal case, some causality. Like a thread that was just so smart for exploring all this was the, she still has sexual feelings and wants to be active to an extent, or at least just have that even basic, just hug me, hold me, kiss me connection. But he's just kind of responds, oh, but what about my heart? Oh, I can't do, you know, and you just kind of wonder, you can imagine that starting, let's say, 10 years ago for them. You're something like that. You wonder, you know, let's say it just started at a time where we did sympathize with him, with her even more because we're like, dude, you're still you're still OK. You're not as old as you are now, you know, in this movie. Uh, and it is just a weird sense of just like, you know, we'd, we'd sympathize with her that much more. But then in this, like, we're drawn to almost feel that same sympathy. It's like, dude, you're her husband. Just like, you know, just offer, even if not having sex with her, just like, just <laughs> give that dance or caress or kiss or, you know, like what she asked. Tell me I'm important. Tell me, you know, I'm loved, you know, without, you know, wanting to see him do that without having to be asked to. Right. But then like how how that continues and almost culminates is uh, it seems that them <laughs> eventually copulating does lead to his heart getting too excited right. and his demise. So as as soon as, you know, as maybe a feeling on that same page of like, you know, <laughs> dude, just give her what she wants. <laughs> it was, uh, oh God, he wasn't exaggerating in the end. Like it just, I don't know, because you get caught up with being with her and her plight, like we do probably at any age of aging and losing our, our, you know, our physical prowess and ability and all that. Um, but it's like we do get older. There's no denying, you know, our physical bodies withering away. Um, I kind of just lost my track exactly where I was going with that. But we just see all that, this ping pong and play out in the ending in so many interesting ways. I thought it was great, great, great. Well, the dichotomy that, they, that they've set up between sexual repression of sort of sexual identity and – well, identity is maybe the wrong word. Sexual proclivity, let's call it. So in a culture that says you have to repress your sexual feelings, in this movie – both groups are having to grapple with the effects that that cultural stance has on them and how they're going to deal with it. And in in 
the younger people's case, I would argue that they're taking a more progressive stance and saying there is a healthy way to exercise that cultural repression. And that is to sort of reject the cultural repression and live, you know, in a direction of what feels good and sort of screw all of that, you know, um, negativity that, that we've been taught. So breaking down the, the status quo. On the flip side, the older couple is essentially going down the darker path of the effect that repression is having on them. They're seeking out arousal in a negative way. And it's and it's it's being, <laughs> you know, it's it's going really negative, like it's going down a path of of, you know, sadomasochistic psycho psychotism. What would the word be? Psychosis, I guess. Um, and so I just think that that framing of of what the movie is, quote unquote, about is just perfect. Yeah, I mean. Being able to compare the two groups, like you kind of said, I mean, that's what really, that's just like a, a screenwriting, I don't know, 101, if not 201 type thing right. of, you know, it's in, you know, it's often used that you have your different characters with different uh, beliefs and attitudes to explore one theme. But here you kind of have these two groups in a way doing it. And yeah, you have it individually within, but there are two things specifically as far as comparing those two sides that I thought were just so well done there was the cross cutting between pearl having um inviting uh maxine over for lemonade while at the same time cutting to the filming of the first sex scene for the porn that involved the inviting in um, we had the direct correlation of, oh, I don't know when my daddy's going to be home, but he'll be so <laughs> upset if he finds you. I don't know what he'll do. And then we have in the real life of the film, uh, Maxi, uh, Pearl saying to Maxine, oh, you know, you better go. My husband's home. Right. <laughs> you know, this will be our little secret. But then it just, uh, it's, you know, it, it's gave me so much to chew on and just, and just feel and think about you know, where you have something as innocent as come over for lemonade. And it's like, well, what is that exactly that's going on? It just by by directly cross-cutting that to an overt, you know, come inside so we can have sex while my uh, daddy's gone. You know, it just sort of makes you see that overlap between those two uh, actions. Come over for that, come over for lemonade in this context. And just think of it just sort of in terms of this baseline human connection fulfilling desire and how she's offering lemonade because it's really all she can do that would be socially acceptable right there well it's really cool because in a way it's let me see if i can articulate this it's like it's like uh, putting a reflection up to the trope that the porn is is sort of the reason the trope exists in porn is because it's based on a very fundamental truth about humans and the offering of sort of intimacy, right? Like I'm going to invite you into my home and I'm going to offer you refreshment and we're going to sit here and enjoy that together because we're two human beings that like want to like 
basically get out of the elements like See, that and is how much that sounds so like basic that just sounds like double entendre hearing it you know like, i, I know it, it well it is though that's my point kind of that there's it, it, it it's like a snake eating its tail right like one came up because of the other which came up from the first one because of the last one like it's just it's a circular thing that i think is really cool to see put up there for us to like soak in yeah, and you just get and then you feel that sadness too like we were talking about pearl's character like she would love to be in the position of doing what uh britney snow's character is doing in the porno than in there mm-hmm. like that's who she that's what she's really probably feeling then in there right. is you know let's come inside and let me try to hit on you while my husband's gone right right yeah well again and that's all based in or wrapped up in this you know this repression of like i i have i'm not allowed to behave a certain way when when the patriarch is around yeah um which got i mean just that same thread that I brought up earlier of um, the husband issuing warnings about his heart and that's his <laughs> excuse, just how that, and then that ends up being true. And that comes, maybe this is where I was trying to get earlier is, you know, that's a big theme that comes up within this context too, is just that patriarchal con- exercising of control. And you know how mm-hmm. we see that <laughs> with with the husband, but it's just that line that's just so great to mine for horror movies, where she is even more off than he is, right? In just their sort of mental condition, he's aware, even though he's a part of their their killing and scheming. She's the one that seems more unbalanced in a way, right? right? So in that sense, we think his control is more justified in that sense of care. But at the same time, he's definitely doing the whole controlling husband thing in a not good way. And probably that's, it's come from that, you know, place for a history for them, but in a certain context also, because she is, you know, sick, it seems and unwell, like it's, it's yeah, genuine in his caring. So it's, it's all messy and delicious. Yeah, and I especially love the metaphor of, you know, I can't do this because my heart. And it's like, <laughs> what, what are we talking about, really? We're yeah. talking about, like, intimacy. We're talking about love. And to have him have a, a effectively a defective heart is the broader metaphor, which I just think is great. It's It's so obvious in a way. Oh, God, you mean, yeah, you just made me think... God, that's his character. How how well done was that? Because the get-go, when we meet him, he's he justifies pulling a shotgun onto strangers because he's like, you never can be too careful. What by <laughs> so that means you have to pull a shotgun out at some random dude. Like yeah. that that level of uh being able to give your 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 trusting self over. Right. right. Exactly. Well, yeah. the, I, I had that one other thing that was as far as the comparing of the two groups that I thought was done so well. You had that comparison of, yeah, the old man Howard. Howard, yeah. His control over his wife. And then, you know, we think, oh, then now we have the contrast to it. These people making a porno and talking about, oh, when the camera's rolling, you know, it quote unquote doesn't matter. And they're all on board with that. And then we have director, cameraman all around guy rj who's saying that just as much 
But then as soon as it comes to his girlfriend romantic interest stepping up and wanting to take part in it, all of a sudden he's right. not so quick to say what he was just saying five minutes ago, right? Um, so it was interesting. I mean, in that context I've brought up before when looking at older films and talking about this time period of uh, the hippies, let's say, saying they believe in certain things like quote unquote free love or multiple, you know, polyamorous partner, you know, all that. But then in practice, it's a lot more messy. So it was just fun to see that here. For me, what that kind of makes me realize is that really what is being done here as sort of a rule, it almost seems like is flipping the trope of the slasher film on its head, which is sex bad, you should die for that. In this case, actually, sexual repression bad, you should die for that. Right? So the second he, the the camera operator, filmmaker... RJ. RJ is, is, is saying, oh no, like... It's all fine until it's it's my girlfriend. I need to maintain her sexual repression. The next thing that happens is he has a meltdown, tries to leave and gets killed. Right. That, just all the little touches just in the the character design or details of just playing up those themes. I mean, they're they're obvious, but they're just so just good and delicious. Like her taking off the the cross she wears yeah. around her neck, her underwear being like the, you know, like the the more like young girl kind of like says Sunday on her underwear. <laughs> <Right>. Like because <laughs> yeah, like, she's a good she they call her church mouse, right? She's yeah, a good yeah, yeah, yeah. church going, quiet, repressed you know, don't speak until spoken to kind of like that quintessential trope of, you know, repressed female and and, yep. and female under the sort of thumb of a patriarchal system. And then you have the uh, the producer guy, executive producer guy Wayne. who you're right. It is <laughs> Wayne who in a certain context would kind of just be. I don't know, would almost feel like he'd have nothing to offer, would sort of only be comic relief, right? But I think you're you're totally right what you're just saying as far as that the the repressed being the victims in this. It's so true because you have Wayne is the one giving the good advice to RJ in that moment where he's like, listen, she's gonna do it one way or the other. Like you <laughs> have to be you you should really look at why you aren't okay with that. Isn't that contradictory to what you were just saying? Maybe you want to sit on that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, trying to talk them through it in a way that makes sense. But then at the same time, like just storytelling wise, it was it just really worked well for being something you could get him getting upset enough. You could buy him getting upset enough to then just get up and leave that then mm -hmm. that set us off in our sequence of events. Yeah. It's great. The one last thing thematically that I want to touch on, and then I think we should talk about just like moments that were great, is also the dichotomy between Howard, the old man who, you know, effectively, let's say, can't or shouldn't get it up. His virility is is at stake there. Being face to face with um, the star of the porn. What was that character's name? I forget now. Um, oh, Brittany Snow's character was no, Bobby no, Lynn. Uh, 
uh, oh, the, Jackson. The guy? Jackson. <laughs> yeah, Jackson Hole. Him, stand, him <laughs> standing in the doorway totally naked with his extraordinarily long made-for-porn <laughs> dong hanging there, like just the icon of virility in front of Wayne, who is the opposite, was just perfect encapsulation of like everything that's wrong with with sorry not wayne howard uh everything that's wrong with howard's worldview effectively Mm. and i love that i love just those like anytime a movie just sort of right out says it puts the two things in front of each other and just makes them look at each other is awesome yeah jackson he's kind right like he's not an asshole at all He's he goes like, to help look for his wife. Do you need help? Yeah. Let me go get my clothes on and I'll help you find your wife. Like there's a kindness there that I think speaks to this larger thing that the film kind of I would assume was advertent is saying like we need to just be more free flowing and less repressed and cynical and care about each other and do what we think is right for ourselves and for the people around us. Yeah. It was smart having that in or what could have been an in for Howard liking Jackson of uh, them both being um, veterans. Right. Right. Because right. you had, that was something that uh, clearly uh, Howard respected and looked for and could, and it was just this almost like, yeah, saw the possibility there for getting them getting along but then we just had Howard always just like there's this tension point uh, that culminated within him blasting him in the chest with a shotgun. Um, right. Just and talking again, of- that that's sort of a reflection of Howard's repression, right? Yeah. When when faced with this sort of reality of a version of of himself that is gone, he he can't he can't just appreciate it. He has to destroy it. Um, talking about Howard's repression, it just made me think, but dude was able to get it up enough, right? <laughs> like by the end. So, so, Eventually. so you really <laughs> think it was, uh, a more a case of repression in a way, right. you right. know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we could go on and on about this stuff cause it's, the movie is really rife with all of these themes, but. I can segue a bit for us just how we were talking about um, Pearl's mental state earlier. I can just point Mm -hmm. that out as just another thing that worked for me really well was just we sort of could see, I don't know, it was just so interesting. We could kind of see the spectrum of where she could see be at at any given time, what would set her off, what would help ground her. Um, And then just the sort of moments in between where she would break to murder like we're just so well done whether it was to get into moments here the stabbing of rj's neck where she just had to do it multiple times like it became more about letting out this repression you know and this this anger uh which another i mean that was so good with the uh blood getting on the headlight and turning the scene red right immediately i was like this is this is my like everything like the simple justification filmically to have the scene turn red is like my favorite thing just do it yeah um i don't even think you need a justification just fyi like filmmakers 
you don't need to justify turning everything red but but it's very cool when there is a cool justification like that one works and it's really great it very often is blood yeah and then similarly but different a bit more just sort of insight into her craziness but wrapped within one of the kills was i just loved the shot where it's after she kills wayne by putting the um what pitchfork. the pitchfork through the holes in the wall and stabbing in the eye and what i loved so much was the shot where she came around the other side and did like this half-assed job of burying him under the hay <laughs> yeah. it's like it's still so obvious but uh the way she played that in her movements of just and the way it was shot with this kind of wide shot and being able mm-hmm. to take her in in full where she did just kind of look small and sad. Yet we could kind of see in her body movements this, uh, I don't know, just something that wasn't quite right or something breaking or just manic, couldn't control herself energy that just came right, through again right. when she like sort of built up and had to do that final like just kind of stab through a neck, which didn't really play to me as a like making sure he was dead but more just this kind of like instinct she was following through it's kid it's kids putting a magnifying glass to ants it's it's this it's taking a little bit of pleasure in this in this slow sort of torture of a thing like even when it's dead you're still like watching it sizzle yeah you know it's it's sadomasochism i mean i think it's it's dark but her it's like less about a a sizzle and more about a like just take that you know it's this Mm -hmm. it's this more uh a a pinpointed kind of catharsis she's trying to fulfill yeah yeah well what uh some other scenes moments that stood out to you well we all knew once we established the alligator that it was going to come around at some point and man, I thought it was going to happen to, I love that they do this, that they, they make us think that it's going to be Jackson, right? And they set all this tension up around him wandering around this, the pond or whatever it is. And then he gets killed a different way. So, so just a really good misdirect there. But we still know it's going to happen to somebody. So <laughs> yeah. when we're out on the pier or the little dock later, you're just waiting for it. It's so good. And like the, the aggression, kind of what you're talking about with, with which Pearl hits Bobby Lynn in the face. And then when Bobby Lynn sort of says, well, screw you. I was trying to be nice and just gets shoved so, so aggressively by this elderly woman. It's so good. And so, and just, Everything about the tone of those moments was really, really pleasing. Yeah. So to go back, kind of what we were talking about with uh, not so much structure, but the things that made these, or the, the films it's homaging, those original films, uh, you think with killers, you always need them to be a physically powerful, mm-hmm. almost unstoppable mm-hmm. threat, right? So that was the interesting twist on the formula for this one. Um, and it was, uh, I don't know. And it just were something that I was at least paying attention to or feeling along the way were one moment 
we did have something that was like, ooh, that's a hard shove. Like she's not, you know, she's not, she's still strong and she's clearly capable going around killing all these people. Yet at the same time, she can't shoot a shotgun without it blowing her backwards. <laughs> Breaking you her know? <laughs> um So I don't um, know, it was just interesting. Right. Like visual and like <laughs> poignant sort of moment. I like, right. Great, great way to, to end things. <laughs> but you think of um, how that's almost like a, a rule that you'd think you have to follow. Oh, when you're making a villain, make sure he's insurmountable and blah, 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 blah. But like, no, you know, those things aren't rules. But if you aware, if you aren't doing them and you're at least aware of it, you look at how to compensate or explore that or look at what you are doing that's unique to that, which this film mm-hmm. did through and through. So something else I wanted to point out. Yeah. I really like Jenna Ortega's overall performance. Um, I mean, I loved all of them to be honest, but yeah, yeah no, I did too. Don't get me wrong. A true, I think everybody's true great. star power. That girl. Once got. again, we get her really just chewing it up and like her, the the sequence of her hand getting, what is he hitting her with? Like a hammer or something? I something couldn't even like that. Catch yeah. It. But the, the the uh the the makeup job just it's very brief that we see her mangled hand but it's really good i will say the the effects makeup in this movie are all incredibly well done yeah. even the like the op- the beginning one that we see the cow that's been hit by a truck like and the, and the the van rolls over some of the the carcass it's everything about it really felt grounded in an old school like special effects makeup effects world and i was very pleased there's no you know as far as i could tell there's seems to be no cgi blood you know what i mean like it's just great god a cg gator just would have killed it so much right exactly (laughs) yeah i i really loved all of that and like um the the i guess the last big thing for me that that I wonder if is not part of what's making me feel like something's missing. It still works, so I'm that's why I'm a little conflicted about this. But there is a um, what would be the right word for this? There's a simplicity and starkness to almost all of the deaths. They just kind of happen. There's there's almost no fanfare around them. Right? Like Jenna Ortega gets out and runs out and boom, she's dead. Like she gets shot in the face. The end. Right? There's this stark just kind of, oh, that's it. To a lot of the deaths. And I think obviously that's purposeful. And I'm wondering if part of what makes me think, oh, this is, this might be a reason that I, that I think something's not working is that we're we've become i think largely used to the drama of playing out the death moments and having them have be these sort of elaborate or long sequences and really like leaning in on them this movie's doing almost the exact opposite it's just like nope you're dead yeah i feel like this could get into our or what did not work a discussion but there's a really interesting tone balance Right. That was, I think it was trying to be hit. That can be, um, what that was, I think could be extrapolated from how the deaths 
are mm-hmm. handled. Uh, but real quick, while we're still in this, I just wanted to ask you, what did you, did you like, did it work for you? The kind of twist at the end that she was the preacher's daughter? I, you know, I didn't, I, th- I thought it was, a. Uh, it felt more like an addendum. It didn't, I, I just thought it was like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no big revelation, but I thought it was just nope. a nice bow tie. It sort of yeah, helped, yeah. Pay, like I would have been fine in having cut to the preacher on the TV, all that we did, and that was done so well. And just sort of, oh, I mean, that's just something I want to mention too, just what that what that did, having that preacher on TV and the part with mm-hmm. Howard turning it up on the TV. It just sort of did so much. I don't know. I mean, there's overlap here that, the movie wasn't about these themes, but just as far as things that seem so contemporary about being in our own echo chambers mm-hmm. or just like the effects of listening to the same news channel day after day. What is that actually doing to your sense of reality? You know, right. all that. So it just gave this it was a it was a little that did a lot just thinking that they just 24 seven have on this preacher blasting all this stuff in their household. Well, and I mean, you can you can extrapolate a, a lot from that and say that maybe that's just commentary on what seems to be the collective generational demise of a lot of people in our country being the victims of this weird propaganda brainwashing machine that exists with like, whether it be sort of the QAnon construct or, or just like Sinclair and Fox News, like essentially peddling nonsense and for for the purpose of revenue right like the victims of that are in in our country often elderly people who buy into it because they're operating on a previously and no longer existence existent construct of like the news is the truth and like that's really sad but this is you know this is another version that like that construct has been around quite literally forever that there's going to be informational powers that are trying to control how you view the world and often not always it's for the sake of their own benefit and screw the effect it has on you as long as they stay in power well I think what's interesting or what the 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 purity, <laughs> I guess pun kind of intended since I said it, of something as obvious as the sort of crazy preacher, mm-hmm. you know, spouting all these things that uh, seem dangerous is we see, though, he's only coming from a place where he thinks he's doing the good, righteous thing. Yep. So it's just that interesting thing where it's like, I think money motivated doesn't mean it's like a conscious thing i think what the the money motivated part just makes it so it's that much harder of a runaway train to get off of Mm -hmm. or of a system to be aware of or challenged if you wrap up in it um those are the worst case you know offenders you mentioned but i mean that's just what i see that's how i just see most things you know that are i mean everything is kind of that you know Um, Yeah, I mean, you can a lot of stuff is starts with with a good intention, but, you know, it it devolves. And I think that the movie is is pointing out the 
lots of various ways or or instances within which that exists. Yeah. And that it's not changing, right? Like <laughs> we're still, we're humans that continue to go through these same things under a different kind of, you know, the trappings may be different, but it's all rooted in the same kind of thing. Another cool thing that this being a period piece allowed for is then you, exactly that, then you get linked back to even a further time. Right, right. By this being in 1979, we could have old people characters talking about pre-war as in World War One <laughs> being yeah. their time. Yeah, and that uh, does a lot to show, like we've talked about it again in, in, uh, in our show here, the, the cycles, the passing, this all on, yada, yada. All right. right. You ready for our next section? Sure. Let's do it. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> I mean, I sorry to go backwards, I guess, a little bit, but I failed to mention... This is going to, I'm going to try and bridge this into a what did not work. Maybe the slow rolling tension that this film possesses worked a hundred percent. But I wonder if because this is a older style, if that's maybe what was making me at times feel like it wasn't working. I remember having the thought at one point. <clears throat> I needed or I felt the need to have Maxine have more of a plight. And what I one way I thought they could have been doing it that they weren't doing it was having her actually discover Wayne's body or discover uh, Jackson's body or you know what I mean? There's none. There's no point in the movie where any of the victims basically are are uh, let on that this is this is happening, that they're in trouble until they are right in the face of the bad guy. And that's a very different construct than we're used to. I think that was sort of, you know, when I brought up, you have to work around, around a lot, this idea that it is an older, older people who don't have that Jason Voorhees <laughs> physical right. threat. You assume if one of them, you know, like you're talking about, found that dead body moment and wasn't trapped downstairs like Jenna Ortega, uh, then they would just get the upper hand and be able to run away or whatever. So I get, yeah, I get why in that sense. Well, and um, I wonder though, is it by design for pra that practical reason, or is it also or just by design as a tonal thing? Okay, right. So even though I I don't necessarily see the connection with what you're talking about right now as far as finding a body or not but at least what with what you started saying is i think on um yeah everything i, I don't know i wanted to bring up that you are bringing up as to why it may not have been working for you in a certain sense and who ty west as a filmmaker is and that that you like that long tension but talking about that but mm -hmm. house of the devil is Famous or infamous, depending on your taste, for <laughs> the long setup. It was intentionally like the longest. Yes, setup. it's intentional. It was as if Ty West was sort of like going as a young filmmaker, 
God, I just hate so much this kind of modern sensibility of just having to get right to the action da, 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 that I'm just going to go as far as I can yeah. in the other direction. And I think you're either into it or you're not or you're fine with it, right? Whatever. So I feel like since then, you know, you kind of, maybe that you've done it, that instinct maybe isn't so strong anymore. Like those are certain, that's a certain place he was coming from back then with his first film that feels like maybe he's now slowly been working away. Like this for me was just the sweet spot, this movie of having that exact amount of time to kind of live and enjoy these characters before stuff starts hitting the fan. But I could see at the same time, like it just felt like if you're comparing it to the, let's say maybe the movie that the advertising was making it like kind Mm. of almost out to be of being like, of course it has these grind. I mean, it's a woman getting eaten by an alligator for God's sake. Of course it has these grindhouse (laughs) sensibilities in it. Like the deaths in there, it's all there. But as far as maybe (laughs) that X factor of of pushing things like really just being like go for it ty west do it give it to me you know you almost wonder did he go that far like it is that weird effect of going like wait was i i mean yeah woman just got killed by an alligator dude got blasted in the chest with a shotgun guy got stabbed in the neck multiple times with blood going up you know it sounds like on the surface yet it felt like it maybe wasn't on that level of the jump between when Scream 3 went to Scream 4 and all of a sudden the violence was way, way up. Mm. Or when the original Scream came out and we could actually see like intestines coming out in a in a slasher movie for the first time. Right, you know, right. there's a certain kind of level of shock that those older films had at the time that they just won't have now. And I think... Like, I can only think of Quentin Tarantino as the example of a filmmaker who knows how to tune into uh, what it was he loved about those older films and then make it as shocking for our modern sensibilities. And I don't know if Ty West quite reaches that. And it all comes down to kind of, I think, a matter of taste. That can be something you like or not. Like, I like just being able to sit and enjoy being with, I don't know, with whatever tone he hit did hit. I think that you've hit on something that makes me at least speculate as to what I what maybe I was feeling. This movie feels in the same realm in terms of tension and that sort of slow roll as a lot of at least individual scenes in Quentin Tarantino movies. But what's missing in this is the character kind of dialogue that is so specifically heightened for let's say a Tarantino film and maybe that's what was missing for me is that the dialogue itself is incredibly simplistic in this movie there's nothing there's no line or character kind of trait or specific performance that makes me go oh man that is quintessential never going to be forgotten iconic whatever that almost plainness i guess i think maybe what i was responding to in that i was like uh maybe um 
fooling myself into thinking that this movie, because of all the other things that it's doing, was also going to have that aspect. I'm not saying that it's bad that it doesn't have it. I'm just saying that in my experience the first time watching it, I think maybe I was improperly expecting that to exist more than it did. And the reality is, is this movie is actually, that's just not what they're, it's just not a part of this movie. They're not trying to do that. They're doing another thing. And that's why I was like, I don't really know if it's not working or if it's just like I'm missing something or or wanting something that I shouldn't. Um, yeah, because I do yeah. think like, you know, I talk about in those terms. I mean, yeah, I don't know about, I, I see what you're saying for the character stuff, but just when I was thinking of it, those terms of, uh, the kills themselves or the level of violence of maybe having a certain expectation yeah. that it didn't, it didn't quite meet. Like at the same time though, as soon as I, I was doing this while I was watching it, but now afterwards too, where I was just trying to picture, well, what would that be? What is, what is turning it? If it's at 10, what would be that turning it to 11? And I don't think I would necessarily want that for like the tone that this hit, you know, like mm-hmm. again, oh like, no, I yeah, I, I'm like, not sure that would make yeah. it a better film. Like woman getting killed by an alligator. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't need, I didn't need more blood and guts to it. I mean that in itself, uh, is 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 gnarly grindhouse stuff. So yeah, yeah I I maybe same but different. I see where you're coming from, and um, I just or it it didn't really take me out of it enough to not be enjoying it at all, but I think it will make it now that I know what it is. I'm just going to sink into it that much more and all the kills will be that much more shocking. But I, um, I agree. You know. I think that to what I'm saying, this sort of not having this heightened, almost caricatured homage style in the dialogue of the characters or the, or the sort of construct of the characters, which we see a lot, right? Like in, and in movies that I absolutely love, it's one of the things that I that I'm drawn to. Like the Cohen brothers are so good at taking period piece or really anything, but like let's just say period piece and really, really honing in on a language and a way of speaking in the dialogue that that like also gets us into that place. And this doesn't really have it. It's a little more simple. In yeah, that. I, f- I feel like Ty West trying to do quote unquote more would only end up distracting from I think you're right. like all these themes that did come through. I totally you know? <laughs> agree. So I think what I, what I'm saying is that it's a personal in the moment having to kind of readjust my I guess expectations or just my sense of what film I'm watching. Now that I've watched it, I think I could watch it again and totally like relax into all of that. And and enjoy it more likely, and maybe turn turn into a buy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you got the prequel and the sequel to hopefully do just that. With. <laughs> cool. God, I wish you had seen it. It was so good. No, I'm glad I. D- I don't want to see trailers for movies. Yeah. Like, well, it was a teaser. The it was for like Nope was it at the beginning of this this in the theater. And oh I was yeah. Like, God damn it! I don't want to see this. I, cl- I I closed my eyes like a jerk. Um, I already now I know too much al- already, and I'm like pissed off that I even kept my eyes open during it. Oh, um, no! But this was just like quick flashes of just like 
it you know set in 1911 when Pearl's young oh, or whatever. Wow. Okay. It just cool. like quick flashes of the farm in its prime and weird Confederate stuff, like all this hmm. great, great stuff. Uh, anyway, this section, what did not work, ended up being more uh, an exploration of our feelings, <laughs> right. but ultimately did work. So the only thing that I don't know, maybe this is another thing that will change when I see it more. And there were things that did work about this. Like I mentioned, um, uh, Mia Goth's performance as Pearl getting that moment where she was Mm -hmm. stabbing him in the neck. Um, just all that stuff was great, but there's just always that part of me where for Pearl and Howard, just knowing and feeling that it was a younger person in older age makeup, mm-hmm. right? Like Stephen Err, who plays Howard, he's not old, old like Howard, but he's he's older. He's not a young, young person like Mia Goth. It's like 30, tw- late 20s, whatever. But just something about that, like, you know, everything else like we just talked about that Ty West was doing to build this this world that felt so real and you could really buy into it all actually happening. Just something about when it's, young person in old age makeup. It's just, it's just always a little hard for me to totally get on board with. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like good job mm. on her. Like not that she didn't do great, but just like her soul coming through her eyes felt young, which was maybe as soon as I said it, like kind of the point almost or helps for the kind of character she is. But that was just something that was distracting me in a not fun way that I hope uh, upon revisiting it won't. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, let's, uh, I'd have nothing. I mean, I really don't have anything else to criticize. (laughs) So let's just go get into some, uh, things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. I think we have to start off, and I wondered this during the movie, the big kind of just my brain exploded that Maxine and Pearl are played by the same person. I mean, that's why I just mentioned, yeah. That- I, I know. I'm just thinking it's so amazing to – like I remember thinking it during during the movie that something was there. I mean, she has lemonade with herself. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as I think just as a thing of note and a, and a just a, a amazing choice to make, it's just really, really cool. No, it's again, like I really loved all that there is to love about it, but it's something about that thing of like a really young person being in. I'm not really disagreeing with that. Yeah. I'm not, dis- or, you know, I'm not, I just think that the decision to do that is really cool. Yeah, I still like it. I don't know. I'm just really conflicted. Um, That's fine. I like it more. Um, you want to know goes. something else? There's another thing of note. Mia okay. Goth and I, we have something in common. We were born on the same day. <laughs> Great. I mean, granted, like 15 years apart, but we have the same birthday. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, well, did you want to hear a bit about the sequel and prequel since... You were unaware? I mean, just in kind of like headline news terms, no spoilers real. Sure. Um, Okay. Yeah, no, the sort of making it where Ty West, you know, he says, 
on it. I came out of quarantine and I was like, we're already building all this stuff. It's COVID and we're on the one place on earth where it's safe to make a movie. Talking about being in New Zealand, making this film. We have the whole crew from Avatar 2 who's on break. We should make two movies. And then he said the miracle of A24 was that they thought this was actually a good idea. (laughs) And then IndieWire reports Pearl will, quote, fill in some of the gaps exploring how the cabin where the massacre of X takes place was a boarding house during World War I. And he says... West says, if X is about the way this auteurist era of independent filmmaking is affecting people, Pearl is sort of about the old Hollywood way that affected people. The way in which they enrich each other is all a part of the craft of the filmmaking. I wanted to do something where all of the crafts of the movie were very apparent charms, were their very apparent charms. And yeah, it's already been shot. He's uh, already finished editing it and expects to be done with it come May. And then the third movie is being written by now and will follow a different era in filmmaking. That one will be about how home video, the sequel will be about how Mm. home video has affected people. I'm very proud of these. They're super different and very out of nowhere. You won't need to see one to see the other, but they do complement each other. And my first thought is, are we going to have Mia Goth in old age makeup again? Because let's say she's playing, you know, her, her, 1979 Maxine character nowadays if you said it in like 2025 you know she'd be in her early mid 70s uh that's that's just I wonder the direction they're going to take setting Hmm. in modern day well we know that she survives between 1911 to 1979 so maybe the home video that is a part of that you know whatever that sequel is has footage of her as a younger person Mm -hmm. like what if she became a starlet of some sort or whatever in the 40s yeah yeah who knows that's complete just out of nowhere speculation (laughs) i just made that up (laughs) Uh, i don't know what i'm talking about i really don't have much else but if you wanted to take the time to do this, I thought it could be kind of fun just because when does this happen? I got an email from A24 that says, uh, subject heading, blood and guts, a note from Ty West. <laughs> and how often do you get an email from the filmmaker right before you're going to see a movie? But it's a few paragraphs. I don't know. Do we have the time? Do you want to hear it? What's it about? Can you give me a summary of it? It's a note from Ty West talking about uh, his journey in making it and why he wanted to. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. I'll try to do my Ty West voice. No, I won't. Dear movie lovers, I wrote X for fun, never expecting it to actually get made. It was a way for me to ruminate on some feelings I had about getting older, making films, and my lifelong love of horror cinema. In fact, when I sent the script to A24, I said, nobody knows I wrote this and it could be too out there for you. But just think about it and let me know if you might be up for it. All good either way. And somehow two years later, here I am writing the intro to this newsletter. It has been almost 10 years since I made a horror film. 
There are no shortages of reasons why. Making any film is a strange, traumatic endeavor. It is prohibitively expensive, both financially and psychologically. The hours are absurd. The weather never cooperates. There are countless technical challenges that are so immense that even if all goes according to plan, the chance of success is still next to nothing. So why do it? Because transforming a story from your imagination all the way into completed film is an experience unlike anything else in the world. I'm also convinced it induces some sort of amnesia so that you forget all the turmoil and sleepless nights and want to do it all over again. The headaches and hurdles are worth it for that one transcendent moment of an actor's performance or dual performance. Personally, I don't know much else that compares to the satisfaction of achieving a beautifully composed magic hour shot with only seconds to spare before sunset, or the weeks upon weeks spent on esoteric details of costume design and set decoration, which define a character in place so specifically that you may feel it's like it's a part of your own lived experience. Or often, in my case, a gory gush of blood and guts splattering in the exact part of the frame I was hoping for, causing the audience to viscerally recoil in horror just as I always intended. During my time off, I revisited a lot of films that I love, particularly those from the 1970s. There was such a reverence in the art of cinema during that decade. Mainstream films respected and challenged their audience's appreciation for filmmaking, and independently produced exploitation films catered unapologetically to titillating the subversive taste of the masses. My goal with X was to hopefully somehow capture the best of both worlds— to make you think about the craft of filmmaking while still having a fun night out at the movies. X is a violent slasher movie set in the late 1970s about an eclectic group of young people making a pornographic film. Historically, horror and pornography have always had a bit of a symbiotic relationship, two forms of lowbrow entertainment that could be made independently outside of the traditional Hollywood studio system. What is often overlooked, however, is the wildly ambitious entrepreneurial spirit that accompanies trying to make these types of films and craft them well. As a fellow movie lover, this is my tribute to that spirit. I hope you enjoy the ride. Sincerely, Ty. Cool. Thoughts, feelings on that? I mean, that's all really. I mean, I, uh, I'm inspired and daunted by that because it's all true. <laughs> yeah, great. But you can you see know. why I thought it was fun and fun. Yeah, to share. definitely. All right, Tim. Well, we like to wrap up here as we're doing now with X. Like to wrap up with some recommendations for each other, for you listening. Do you got something? I do. I'm surprised I hadn't mentioned this in an earlier episode because I watched it about, I don't know, two, three months ago or something like that. But A Promising Young Woman is um, really great. You should see it if you haven't already. I loved it. Great. I have not. I'll watch it. Oh man. Yeah. I for some reason I kept like coming across it before I watched it being like, "Oh, I should watch this tonight." And I was like, "Man, I'm not in the right like mood because I want to actually like really really like focused watch this." And so finally got a, a point where I was like, "I have nothing else on my mind. I'm not like on a deadline. I'm going to sit down and freely watch this with open arms." And it was tremendous i really loved it yeah something that's been on my mind is revisiting films that have always felt like they just came out but now they haven't just come out anymore like films from five to ten years ago you were you know you're going wait that was five years old now that was eight years old now uh so i revisited a film i remembered really liking hacksaw ridge (laughs) you seen that oh man 
is that the uh andrew garfield one yeah i have yeah. not seen it i think i saw the first like five minutes or something like that and then was like i don't have time for this i was really into it when i first saw it and i was really into it again on a second time yeah. i was just well, remembering good. how it made me felt made me feel and uh was happy to step back into it but talking about exploring themes does so in a, a fun entertaining informative exciting way inspiring too cool be a pacifist everyone it's good for you <laughs> yeah which is really interesting to see that play out with someone trying to do that how do you fight for your country with refusing to pick up a gun right. uh really really rich uh to to pick that apart for a movie so yeah check it out hacksaw ridge all right so tim what are we doing next time god that's a really good question Tim, is it something awesome? I hope so. It's another new release film. Oh my god! From uh, called uh, "You Won't Be Alone" that uh, made a uh, that did well at Sundance or premiered there at least. Something I think about witches and has Numi Rapace in it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully it's good. Let's find okay. out. Okay, I'm into it. Great. We'll see. We'll see if I like it. <laughs> well all right until then thanks for being here (laughs) you can tell a friend if you enjoyed being here we appreciate that but whatever all the same we're just really happy to have you we'd love to hear your thoughts on x you can comment below uh, on our social medias you can write us at our email dismemberinghore at gmail.com all's good either way though so in closing Hope you uh, find that X factor for yourself. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>